What's going on, good people, and welcome to Live by the Three with your boy Curly. Big shout out to returning listeners, and if you're a first time listener, welcome. Now, this is episode 10, and I didn't realize it was episode 10 until I started recording. And as they say, time flies when you are having fun, and I'm definitely having fun, and I hope you are too. I appreciate all of you sticking with me and growing with me on this Live by the Three podcast journey. Once again, thank you. I look forward to putting out great content for you all. We're going to pick this up from the last game where the Raptors lost against the Pistons and they were in a back-to-back situation on March 4th against the Orlando Magic at home. Underman once again with no OG, no Freddy. And if you recall from the last episode, I said that in order for the Raptors to have a good game they had to remain competitive by matching the energy and effort that Orlando has been playing with as of late. Unfortunately it was difficult for either team to find any sort of rhythm and to establish that because both teams were hurting horribly. The unfortunate thing for the Raptors is that the Magic were still hitting more shots than the Raptors and after three quarters the Raptors were down 72 to 60. Now that effort and energy did not make an appearance until the fourth quarter, but by then it was too late. Timely buckets from the Magic, matching the Raptors push, deflating all possibilities of making a comeback. They eventually lost 103 to 97. The Orlando Magic shot 36 for 95 from the field, giving them 38%, 11 for 37 from three. Giving them 30%. They took care of business from the line 20 for 21. Giving them 95%. The Raptors shot 37 for 93 from the field. Giving them 40%. 12 for 37 from 3. At 32%. 11 for 17 from the free throw line. Giving them 65%. And I hate to sound like a broken record. You hit those 6 free throws. You're in overtime at minimum. You possibly have a different outcome for this game did not happen i seem to be repeating myself but again i'm going to be repeating myself until something changes the orlando magics had seven players and double figures being led by cole anthony and jalen suggs with 15 points apiece the raptors were led by pascal who had a monster game 34 points 14 rebounds malachi flynn had 20 points eight assists definitely love to see how well he's playing as of late scotty barnes with 10 precious Chua with 11 again just an all-round terrible game not much else to say let's move on to march 6 where the raptors traveled to cleveland to play the cavaliers they were under man once again this time not only is og and freddie out malachi flynn was out after having a great game with hamstring issues now i wasn't too confident about this game because the Cavs are just playing better basketball than the Raptors are right now and more importantly they are healthy but this was an important game for the Raptors if they were going to make any sort of change to their place in the standings they had to win this game and again for the most part it was competitive but the wheels eventually fell off the Cavs had a huge blow to their playoff aspirations, losing their defensive anchor, Jared Allen, in the first quarter due to a left quad contusion. It was later revealed that he had a fractured finger and he was going to be out indefinitely. So 
you were definitely curious as to how the Cavs would be able to rally after losing such a huge piece to their starting rotation. And it showed in the third quarter where the Raptors fought back and eventually brought the game within one. But the Cavs came back with a massive run of their own, going up by double digits late. And the Raptors were only playing catch up at that point. And they eventually lost 104 to 96. The Raptors shot 37 for 94 from the field, giving them 39%, terribly from three. 6 for 24, giving them 25%. Another terrible free throw shooting night. 16 for 26, giving them 62%. The Cavs shot 39 for 85, giving them 46% from the field. 11 for 36, giving them 31% from three. 15 for 23 from the free throw line, giving them 65%. The Raptors were led by Pascal with 24 points. Boucher in the starting rotation with 21 points, Gary Trent with 19, Scotty Barnes had a double-double, 19 and 12. The Cavs were led by Laurie Markkinen that had a double-double, 22 points, 12 rebounds. Evan Mobley, their rookie, had a double-double himself, 20 points and 17 rebounds. Darius Garland with 17, Kevin Love with 15 points, Seti Osman with 17. In this game, the Cavaliers were just able to dictate and dominate the Raptors all game. Like I said, we had that late second half push to bring the lead within one. But I think in most of the games, but most notably this one, not having shooters to space out the floor is definitely costing the Raptors some winnable and competitive games. Which brings us to our March 9th game where the Raptors traveled to San Antonio to take on the Spurs. And we welcome back Fred Van Vliet, our leader. I was so happy to see his name coming off the injury report. Unfortunately, we are still without OG and Malachi Flynn. And this was a much more entertaining game for the Raptors. And as a Raptors fan, it was definitely nice to see them stay competitive in this one. Earlier on, it was a battle between Fred and DeJounte Murray. And this was a game where it was a battle for momentum. The Raptors had it. The Spurs took it back. The Spurs eventually won that battle going into halftime with a 61-58 lead. After halftime, the Spurs imposed their will defensively and got out in transition. The driving kicks were working for them and they got out to a 69 to 62 lead early in the third. The Raptors answered a run of their own, being led by Freddie. It started off with a Freddie three, and to finish off the run, it was a two on one fast break with Fred and Scotty Barnes to tie the game up at 69 apiece. The Raptors eventually got out to a small lead in the later half of the third and early part of the fourth, and their largest lead came around the 8-16 mark where the Raptors had a 97-86 lead. But the Spurs did not go down quietly, but the Raptors were able to take advantage in the end, capitalizing on defensive miscues, knocking down open shots. The Raptors win 119-104 over the Spurs. The Raptors playing the role of spoilers, denying Greg Popovich 
one of my favorite coaches from moving to number one for most wins all time sorry pop you're just gonna have to get it next game and this was arguably the best game that the raptors have played since the all-star break the raptors shot 41 for 85 from the field giving them 48 percent 11 for 30 from three giving them 37 percent finally a very good free throw shooting game 26 for 28 giving them 93 percent the spurs shot 38 for 84 from the field giving them 45 percent nine for 32 from three giving them 28 percent and also shot well from the line 19 for 20 giving them 95 percent the raptors were led by freddie with 26 points six rebounds Scotty Barnes had 20 points, 8 rebounds. Pascal had 20 points, 8 rebounds. Gary Trent with 17 points. Precious Achua came off the bench with 13. The Spurs were led by Keldon Johnson, 27 points, 8 rebounds. Murray with 25 points, 9 rebounds. And Yaka Portal with a double-double, 11 and 12. Again, one of the best games of the season so far definitely the best game since all-star break and you just hope that as they get healthy that this kind of play will continue which brings us to tonight's game happening on march 11th where the raptors are visiting the phoenix suns now the raptors will be without og and malachi the suns are obviously without cp3 but they are still finding ways to win games sitting pretty in first place in the Western Conference. Now, my keys to victory for this game is the Raptors have to be fundamentally sound. They can't make too many mistakes against the Suns. They will take advantage. And more importantly, they need to match their energy and physicality. I imagine Gary Trent will have the job of guarding Booker and Mikhail Bridges for the Suns are going to be guarding Scotty Barnes. It has a recipe for a very competitive game. I look forward to seeing it. The Raptors had a very good game uh, earlier on against the Suns. My pick for best game of the season, even though it came at a loss, the Raptors have the ability to do so. They are a little undermanned, but if they can keep it competitive, match the energy and effort, and more importantly, make their free throws, I have no doubt that the Raptors have the ability to close this game out with a victory. And on a back-to-back -back situation, the Raptors are going to be taking on the Denver Nuggets in Denver on March 12th. Now, if you recall, the way we lost the game at home, OG went up, got blocked by Jokic, and that was pretty much the game. It's very simple. Now, when I say it's simple, it's not going to be easy to beat a team like the Nuggets, but it's very simple in terms of how you're going to plan for them. You're not going to stop Jokic. There's no way. He's too skilled. We don't have the size. Let him do his thing. What you need to focus on is the others. Take care of the others and more importantly, get back in transition if you are driving to the basket you didn't get the call and the nuggets get the ball don't argue with the ref get back those little things make a big difference in a 
game, especially with a team like the Nuggets who like to get out and run. Get back on defense. I cannot stress that enough. Limit their opportunities in transition where the Nuggets strive. Let them beat you in the half court. Let Jokic beat you if that is indeed the case. But you're not going to be able to stop him. Take care of business against the others. You'll have a chance to win that game as well. Sticking with the Raptors, we're going to talk about former Raptor Vince Carter, who had a very favorable opinion about Scotty Barnes. Now, as you know, Vince has since retired and has picked up a broadcasting gig with ESPN. And he was on site for the Raptors Cavaliers game this past Sunday. Before tip off, he was interviewed by his former teammate Alvin Williams. And Vince was just gushing about Scotty Barnes, saying that he is mature beyond his years, even added that he is a star in the making, and more importantly, that the Raptors struck gold with Scotty Barnes. And Vince is very accurate in saying all those things because since the All Star break, Barnes is third behind rookies. Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham scoring 18.8 points per game on 60% shooting, having a better post All-Star performance than rookie frontrunner Evan Mobley. Now I feel that if the Raptors make a significant push, move up the standings, get out of the play and and Scotty Barnes can maintain his stellar play, it'll be very hard for him not to win Rookie of the Year. But the real challenge is going to be is he going to maintain the same kind of production upon OG's return? Now, it's no secret that when OG is on the floor with Scotty Barnes, the ball sticks to OG's hand more, and Scotty Barnes is looking and playing that more playmaking role when OG is beside him. We know Scotty Barnes is very adaptable and he's been adapting to every single role that the Raptors have asked him to complete, but is it fair that we still do that to him knowing what he's able to do when he has the opportunity and when the ball is put in his hand? Now, I'm not taking anything away from OG. He is an important part of this team. Collectively, we need all five guys healthy and ready to go talking about Fred, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes, OG, and Siakam, if they're going to make a deep playoff run. But again, begs the question, do you really want to take these opportunities away from Scotty Barnes, knowing that his ceiling is much higher and has become one of the most important pieces to the Raptors team than OG. It seems that the Raptors are going to have some tough choices to make over the next few years, but if Vince Carter can see what I'm seeing and what a lot of people are seeing, maybe it's time that the Raptors start focusing on the future and the future that includes Scotty Barnes. Now, taking a look around the association, we look at last night's game on March 10th, where the Nets played the Sixers for the first time since the Ben Simmons-James Harden deal. And this game could not have got, gone any better for me. I don't like the Sixers. I don't like the Knicks. I don't like the Bucks, among other teams in the league, but none more than those three particular teams. So I relish at the opportunity 
where I see the Sixers get blown out. And the Nets took the, uh, the Sixers fans right out of the game from the very beginning. They set the tone early, they dominated them 129 to 100. They rallied behind Ben, he was a presence on, on the bench. There was quite the divide as to whether he should be there or not. I'm glad he was there. It showed maturity. It has shown growth since he's been taking time away to address his mental health. I think it was a step in the right direction for him because he's going to have to get uh, accustomed to that hostility and heckling that comes along with being an athlete. And Kyrie Irving, who did a phenomenal job on... James Harden defensively is probably one of the best defensive games I've ever seen Kyrie play and he said if you come at Ben you come at us you come at anyone else on our team you come at all of us and that's the mentality could not have said that any better being the superstar and the leader that the team needs definitely sets the tone for what they're trying to accomplish in the later half of the season, Durant finished with 25 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. Kyrie Irving with 22 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. Like I said, Harden was not a factor. He was 3 for 17, and he only scored 11 points. Uh, Joel Embiid was the only real bright spot for the Sixers, where he made most of his points from the free throw line, scoring 27 points and 12 rebounds. The only accomplishment for the Sixers, or the only bright spot, is where James Harden passed Reggie Miller for third place on the NBA all-time three-pointers list. That was the only thing good for the Sixers. Love nothing better. And definitely begs the question, what is it going to be like for the Sixers and James Harden in big moments now while it is only one game it was an important game with all the controversy surrounding it and surrounding both teams to see Harden fold under pressure again doesn't bode well and if they don't win anything other than a championship for the Sixers that trade would be an ultimate failure now over the last week there's been some amazing performances and I'm going to review a few of them on March 5th LeBron finished with 56 points and a comeback victory over the Warriors where he scored 56 points 10 rebounds and became the oldest player to post 50 plus points and 10 plus rebounds in a game also that night the Nuggets played the Pelicans lost a 21 point lead but Nikola Jokic was not going down without a fight. He scored 30 points in the fourth quarter and the overtime, giving them a, a victory over the Pelicans, where he finished with a triple-double, 46 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. And he got another triple-double a few days later with another victory against the Warriors with 32 points, 15 rebounds, and 12 assists. On March 6th, Jason Tatum scored 54 points in the Celtics' 126-120 victory over the Nets, tying him with Larry Bird for the most 50-point games in Celtics history. He later scored 44 points for the Celtics later on in the week in another game. One of the craziest performances, even though those were pretty crazy, on March 8th, Kyrie dropped 50 points, scoring 9 threes with a victory over the Charlotte Hornets, 132-121. to He shot 15 for 19 overall 
and 9 for 12 from 3. It was the second fewest field goal attempts in a 50-point game in NBA history after Adrian Dantley took just 17 shots on October 31st, 1980. Irving also became the fifth player in NBA history, joining a list that includes Will Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, and Adrian Dantley to have at least two career games with 50 points on 75% shooting. Absolutely crazy. And some honorable mentions that happened over the week. Embiid scored 43 points and 14 rebounds with a 121-106 victory over the Bulls. Luka got 35 points and 16 rebounds in their 111-103 win over the Jazz. And Giannis went beast mode scoring 43-12 and 12 on March 9th and a 124-115 victory over the Hawks. A very crazy week. I don't remember a week where... These offensive performances all happen within a few days of each other or even the same days of each other. Definitely crazy. You love the NBA. The the NBA has been more offensive-minded over the last little while, but to see these performances as a fan, you just can't help but enjoy it. Now, as the playoffs rapidly approach... I'm on record saying that the teams that concern me the most are the Bulls, when healthy, and the Heat. Not too worried about the rest. Well, today, folks, I am officially changing my answer. There is only one team that worries me a great deal, and I do not want to face them. It's the Boston Celtics. Now, I was very skeptical about how successful their season was going to be this year, and they have completely turned their season around. Since 2022 started, Boston ranks first in their defensive rating, first in opponents' points per game, and first in opponents' field goal percentage. They are top 10 in almost all defensive categories. And a team like the Raptors that have no shooters, who at times have a lid on the basket and have a hard time scoring the ball, especially not having a go-to guy that can create their own shot, this is problematic. The Celtics have gone 23-8 and eight since the start of the year. They currently sit 5th in the East. And Ime Odoko has completely changed that team around. From giving Robert Williams the task of being an off-the-ball helper. Al Horford becoming a secondary paint protector. On the defensive end of the ball, they are switching on everything and are competing on the switches. Obviously, all this being led by Marcus Smart being their defensive leader and the versatility of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum has been dominating on the offensive end of the ball, scoring 50 plus points, scoring 44 in the same week. It seems that his game has elevated, especially in the new year. Jalen Brown has battled some health issues, but nothing new there. But he can go off at any point in time. And the team overall is just playing better basketball. Very admirable, but also very concerning if the Raptors somehow face them. Now, the Raptors have played them well in the past, especially in the bubble. We all know how that series went, but it was competitive. It was entertaining from a fan standpoint and a lover a lover of basketball 
It can be an enjoyable game, but it's not something I want to see, especially if the Celtics maintain this level of play into the postseason. Now, I would like to close with the fans' behavior at games. Now, this past week, Westbrook has voiced his displeasure about being heckled and his name being changed from Westbrook to Westbrook. His wife took to social media and said that they received death threats and among other terrible things. And it's to the point where Westbrook doesn't want to bring his family to games. We saw the behavior of Sixers fans towards Ben Simmons. We've seen the malice in the palace where Pistons and Pacers got into altercations with fans. We've seen Kobe get booed everywhere. We've seen LeBron get booed everywhere. We've seen VC get booed as a New Jersey net when he returned to the Raptors. We've also seen, for the OG lovers of the game, Vernon Maxwell punching a fan in the face for the fans' comments about his stillborn child. There are lines that you do not cross. You can go to a game, you can heckle, you can even make fun, but when you cross that line and you are disrespectful, derogatory, personal, that's not you being a fan anymore, that's you being a terrible human being. Now I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a saint and say that I don't go to the games and heckle opposing teams. Hell, sometimes I even heckle our our own players for some of the things that they do but i'm never disrespectful i say in the pre and the present and only focus on what's happening right now don't bring in any other mitigating factors in terms of what it is that i'm going to be saying at the game i think that fans have a responsibility to conduct themselves a certain way and also athletes have a responsibility to not get personally involved in some things that are being said to them but it's very hard you know it's we're all human that's that's the fact it's it's that we are all human and you know we are we all have our breaking point or our boiling point and sometimes when we get to that point it's kind of hard to rationalize things so i think as fans and supporters of our team we have a responsibility to represent not only them but ourselves more importantly and I'm just saying that if you cross that line, be prepared to suffer the consequences of your actions. That's that. And on that note, we are at the end of our episode. Thank you for sticking around. The Raptors have two important games starting tonight with the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets on a back-to-back. Definitely curious to see how that's going to go for them. They're not 100% healthy, but they have their leader back in Freddie. And we saw how much he was missed against the Spurs. It is no doubt that Freddie is our MVP. As usual, any news in relation to the podcast, Raptors content, you can find it all on the Instagram page at livebythe.3, L-I-B-E-B-Y-T-H-E, period, number three, follow like comment and if you got any suggestions for the show or topics that want to be covered please hit me up on the insta page as usual until the next episode everyone please stay safe good people peace